Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. A new Meghan and Harry biography promises tales of royal warfare. Prince Harry addresses the United Nations. And Jason Knopf takes on a new role for the Cambridges. I'm Jack Royston, Newsweek's Chief Royal Correspondent. And I'm Kristen Meinzer, a royal watcher based in the U.S. And this is Newsweek's Royal Report. Hello, Jack. Hello, listeners. Hello, esteemed members of the United Nations. We are kicking things off today with a look at the new Sussex biography by Tom Bauer, the man that the Mail on Sunday previously dubbed the undisputed witchfinder general of contemporary biographers. The book is called Revenge, Meghan, Harry and the War Between the Windsors. And during an interview with Piers Morgan, Bauer appeared to relish the harm that it might do to Meghan and Harry and to their reputations. He said it may hasten the downward trend over which I wouldn't be sad at all because they pose a real threat to the the royal family. Now, some background on Bauer, who has almost mythical status in the media in Britain. Every one of his, ma- his many biographies has been a relentless takedown of its subject. Um, this is what he does. It's his unique selling point. And if you buy a Bauer book, you know you're buying a hatchet job. That is kind of the <laughs> point. He, uh, he caters to the anti-fans. Yes. Uh, and, you know, this is not his first royal biography, by the way. He also did one of Prince Charles, which was very scathing. Now, as for this book, there is a lot in it, most of which is, you know, rehashed stories from the tabloids and Twitter sphere. The vast majority of the quotes and stories are from anonymous sources. Uh, that being said, a few of the accusations are new and some have already been disputed. Jack, shall we go through a few of these? Yes. Um, so the first line that was included in the serialization, which was published in the Times, um, was basically that the Queen had felt relieved that Meghan didn't make Prince Philip's funeral. The specific quote put into the book is, "Thank goodness, thank goodness, Meghan is not coming." Um, now, a palace source told uh, told me that it's unlikely that the Queen would have been thinking about anything other than, than Philip in the days before the funeral. Um, but needless to say, this is in there attributed directly to her. Um, yeah. And one thing that's interesting, Kristen, is, as has been said at the time, is the Queen actually had very few people around her at that time because she was obviously in the bubble during COVID. So if this is an accurate account, then the number of potential people who it could have arisen from is actually very limited. Mm-hmm. But the fact that it's disputed by the palace tells me, mm, I'm not really sure how reliable this is, how much of this is rehashing of stories that we've seen in the rags. Um, A lot of these stories, as I said, seem to just be things we've already seen from Megan haters in the Twitter sphere. So yeah, the fact that this is disputed by the palace, I'm taking I'm taking it with a grain of salt. 
There's a lot as well about other royal relations. So Prince Harry is described as having contempt for Prince William and Kate Middleton. Camilla is described as taking a very dim view of Meghan, even at a point when Charles uh, was feeling positive towards her. Um, I guess this is what he puts in the title of the book as the war between the Windsors. Yeah, supposedly Camilla saw Megan or maybe still sees her as an adventurous, you know, a social climber, somebody who is just out for herself. And uh, Megan supposedly feels that she's constantly being pitted against ever so perfect Kate and feels lousy about that. Uh, there are a lot of ill feelings, a lot of bad blood. Uh, the entire royal family doesn't understand why Megan hasn't uh, tried to smooth things over with her father, but just lets her father continue to, to speak terribly about everybody to the press. Um, so, yeah, a lot about the supposed discord between all of the members of the royal family. And as you've said there, there's some stuff about Thomas Markle, isn't there, and Meghan's relationship with him. And um, it actually quotes some of the court papers, that, court paperwork that came out during Meghan's lawsuit against the Mail on Sunday in which she described this incident where um, Meghan and Harry were staying with Charles and Camilla up in Scotland. And Meghan had said in her witness statement that a royal family member phoned in and they had this big conversation about why she hadn't managed to get Thomas Markle to stop blabbing to the media. Um, And Bauer suggests that the Queen was the second royal family member who, who called in. So that's who he believes was involved in that dispute. Now, beyond the royal family drama, there is, of course, lots of accusations about Meghan Markle, about Meghan being just difficult to work with, about Meghan not staying in her lane, notably in the Vanity Fair debacle. Uh, As we all know, a few months before Meghan and Harry's engagement was announced, Meghan was on the cover of Vanity Fair with that headline, Wild About Harry. And uh, during the interview that she gave to Sam Kashner, he was a contributing editor at Vanity Fair, uh, she uh, supposedly, according to Tom Bauer, uh, was very difficult, very demanding. There were facts that could not be checked. For example, her Procter & Gamble story about uh, writing to them and asking that they become more gender equal in their representation of who washes dishes. Also, Tom Bauer makes claims that perhaps she only took a liking to Sam Kashner because he had a stutter. Uh, There were all sorts of accusations that Sam Kashner has in a letter to the Times since disputed. He said, I found Ms. Markle to be exceptionally warm and gracious and admired her intelligence and her remarkable courage, as I still do. So uh, he is disputing all of the ill feelings that Tom Bauer says he has towards Megan. Yes, exactly. So he does. He strange. He doesn't row back on the factual account that Bauer gives, but he certainly. It's quite interesting because the specific way that he phrases it is that Bauer didn't convey his admiration and respect, which chimes quite closely to what everybody says about Bauer, which is obviously that his books are just hatchet jobs, that he doesn't include any kind of balance or anybody's redeeming features. Um, it was actually quite similar to the uh, the particular review where he was nicknamed the Witchfinder General, um, basically made the same 
same case against him that every every single thing he said about Charles was negative and any time there was a brief moment of positivity it was only so that it could then be wrenched away from the reader with a kind of <laughs> negative take that would then be added in the end so clearly Kashner feels that um, the you know perhaps he hasn't challenged some of the actual factual claims about what happened but the version that has appeared in print is the kind of universally negative interpretation now, Jack, being the insider that you are, you actually got Bauer's response to Kashner's response. What was it? So Bauer says he rang Kashner in May and basically read out to him a lo- all of the quotations that were used in the book and also gave him a bit of a just general rundown of what that chapter said. And Bauer told us, basically, he did not make a single objection or correction um, so clearly Bauer feels that he's given Kashner every opportunity to make any complaints he wants to make pre-publication and that Kashner didn't make any. Um, so this does definitely feel like what's happened here is Kashner has seen the whole thing come out and probably seen his account alongside all of the other material and realised that what's actually happened is he's taken part in like a yeah a massive kind of relentless takedown of Megan. Um, I, 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 I can only wonder whether maybe he didn't actually realise who Bauer was or what it was he was getting involved in. And now that it's come out, he feels a bit guilty. He mentioned in his letter... Um, maybe we shouldn't get involved in a pile-on. And that, I think, perhaps is what's actually happened here, is he's realized that he's unwittingly contributed to a pile-on. Yeah. And I also have to say that having your own quotes read back to you, like, we're going to include this quote, we're going to include this quote, we're going to include this one, does not necessarily include all of your own editorializing, the context, the way you're building a story around those quotes and so on. So it's totally possible Bauer's telling the truth here that he told him all the quotes he was going to use. But quotes can certainly be taken out of context. Almost any word can be bent the way you want it to be bent. The, the extract that was published in the Times as well is also quite light touch on actual direct quotes from Kashner. A lot of it is turned into reported speech. So, yeah, it, it is totally possible that, um, you know, while Kashner has obviously not retracted any of the actual direct quotes, that perhaps he didn't realise what the the broader picture, as you say, Kristen, that was going to be created once, once everything was put together in one place. Um, but it's, you know, it's an interesting thing. Bauer has been involved in kind of numerous of these post-publication backlashes before. so And obviously, Harry and Meghan have um, now been involved in 10 lawsuits over the last uh, sort of three-odd years since September 2019. So right now, I'm not hearing anything at all about them filing litigation against Bauer, but it is not beyond the realms of possibility that a point will come when they might consider that. Um, and no doubt they'll be keeping a very close eye on whether anybody else joins Kashner in the kind of, oh dear God, what have I done camp? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, one person who has not retracted what they have said to Bauer yet is Jean Malik. He is one of the directors of the ad campaign for Reitman's, which Megan appeared in. Uh, Reitman's is a high street store with women's fashion. And supposedly, he posted on Facebook at one point about Meghan Markle. She is definitely the meanest person I've ever met, just saying. And uh, Bauer recounts how 
terrible the shoot went, how entitled she was, how she demanded uh, multiple rewrites in the advertisement. She wanted to be centered more in the ads, have the clothes centered less. Oh, she was just absolutely terrible. Uh, Jean Malik has not taken back what he said or spoken to whether or not the supposed post on Facebook was something he really wrote. So we don't know about that yet. Um, but an interesting detail there is that in that whole story, Megan supposedly stole the Aquazura brand heels she wore on the shoot. Um, and uh, Megan, by the way, sent up that whole story by wearing Aquazura heels to dinner with Gloria Steinem this past week. So uh, that seemed kind of like a wink, wink, nod, nod from Megan saying, hmm. You can make up stories if you want to, or maybe I actually did it. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha. I think that's a great way to kind of just put a, put a light spin on the whole thing, because, you know, biographies come and biographies go. And the reality is, in a few years time, this will probably all be forgotten. But, um, you know, why not just show that you, you're not damaged by it? Come out, stand up for yourself by just by not appearing hurt, not appearing wounded and injured. Because that is the danger of complaining too much about things, is you can just look mortally wounded by this, uh, by this event. And then people start to believe that that is what's happened. And they start to perceive you as being mortally wounded. Whereas, you know, just turning up in the Aquazura heels, probably not the same ones, but needless to say, turning up in Aquazura heels, I think is, is the perfect level of just acknowledging that it's happening so it's not the elephant in the room but without actually you know without actually actually giving it the dignity of a response yeah i think it shows a real sense of humor <laughs> a little bit of a giggle at uh possibly the expense of the rumor um but yeah a, a very subtle way to respond and she was, of course, she wore those Aquazura heels to dinner with Gloria Steinem, who is, uh, you know, a, a, that's a partnership that I think Megan will always be really proud of. She loves Gloria Steinem, you know, this pillar of uh, kind of feminism dating back for decades. And so I think the message really is, you know, I'm above being wounded and damaged by this saga. Yes, 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 yes. Now, beyond these photo shoots, we also have to talk about Bauer's accusations about Megan just ugh, rubbing Harry's friends the wrong way. Tell us more about that, Jack. So this all dates back to the kind of the earliest days of their relationship before Harry and Meghan ever got married. And it was a group of Harry's kind of old friends from Eton. Um, so you're talking about quite like upper class aristocratic British uh, people. Um, and they were they're kind of culturally they exchange a lot a lot of banter with each other this was a few years ago um and some of it would be sexist and not politically correct basically so one of the things that was suggested was that megan was p picking them up on some of their kind of less pc uh jokes and they it didn't go down well with them basically and they felt that she was being woke i'm not actually sure that that word was in circulation back in 2017 when all this happened i don't i seem to remember it came along a bit after that but needless to say uh, perhaps that's just a modern spin being put on it um and then one particular incident is described at the wedding of a man called thomas inskip who um is he's called skippy basically is his nickname that's within the friendship group that's what they call him 
So Skippy was getting married in Jamaica. And uh, so Meghan and Harry flew out there. They met kind of the mums of, of Harry's friends, all of that kind of stuff. And so one thing Bauer says is that the mums didn't particularly warm to Meghan very much. They felt that she was complaining about things and wasn't happy. And also that Harry spotted a photographer in the bushes at some point and absolutely blew up and was incandescent. Um, Harry's friends apparently couldn't understand why because they felt that Harry had been through all of this stuff before um, and they suspected that basically Megan was making his media paranoia worse seems to be the inference yeah I mean I, I, I will say this I feel like Harry had reason to be upset with the media at the time nobody wants people jumping out of bushes with a camera at you but Harry in particular after the terrible racist tabloid coverage of Megan. Uh, coverage that was so bad that he had to issue a statement saying the sexism and the racism of these stories was intolerable and unacceptable. I, I mean, he had definite reason to be upset and to be concerned, in my opinion. As for whether or not Megan actually fit in with all of these um, upper crust uh, aristocrats, I, I'm guessing maybe she didn't. She's used to running in the Hollywood scene. And um, I, I don't think that makes her a bad person. I don't think that makes her ill-suited. And, you know, supposedly other accounts uh, have said that, you know, Harry's friends have really liked Megan, that they urged him to marry her. So, I mean, you know, it, it, it's kind of a he said, he said, they said, they said, she said, story, <laughs> right? <laughs> as far as friends. And then, yeah, the, again, as far as dealing with the media at that time, surely his friends understood. Like, this is something that Harry has dealt with his whole life, discomfort with the media, and especially at this time. Yes, and we we have actually heard some of this uh, account about Skippy before because um, Harry reportedly banned Skippy from the royal wedding, or at least not from the whole of it, but from the kind of... Uh, he, I think Skippy was allowed at the ceremony, but not at the later sections of the wedding party. Um, so that came out in Finding Freedom um, some time ago. So we did always know that there had been this falling out between Harry and, and Tom and Skip. Um but it's, you know, it's like you say, some of the stuff that's in the books is sort of known about. I mean, I've been hearing for years people saying that um, Harry's old friends from, you know, his old Etonian friends. And like you say, that's a massive culture clash. You know, that that kind of uh, old Etonian set is very, very different to the world of Hollywood in California and even Canada, really. You know, we're talking about big drinkers. Megan's never been a big drinker. Um, and yeah, I mean, you know, I think on some level they probably were destined to not necessarily see eye to eye i guess if you were harry you would hope that your friends would just simply accept the fact that you were in love with this person and you know see that uh, from his point of view he i'm sure he would want to say to them can't you just see that she's making me happy and leave it there like why in a sense why does it matter um whether they get on with her like a house on fire or whether she's a little bit different yeah. I mean, honestly, I feel like her crowd is probably more fun than his anyway. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> oh, stuffy. It's so low class to have a job and ambitions. Oh, wouldn't you say so, Buffy? <laughs> yes, yes, Cornelius, I certainly would. I mean, come on. How fun is that going to be? Really? I mean, yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> so, I mean, yeah, culture clash, a little bit of a culture clash. Can I also just point out just some very minor irritations I have with this book that are just so easy to fact check that are wrong? Like the claim that Serena and Megan, Serena Williams, greatest tennis player, possibly greatest living athlete in the world right now, that she and Megan are just quote unquote acquaintances when Serena Williams literally referred to Megan as her friend on Twitter in 2014. This is like very easy to find the receipts on, things like this. You know, the whole claim that Megan was banned from Diana's jewels, even though she literally owns some of Diana's jewels. There, there are just certain claims in this book that are so easy to fact check, but uh, it just reinforces the whole notion that this is a takedown, that some of these things are, are, are not even true. They're just there to sully her name. There are definitely some things that it, it, it feels, some quite silly uh, factual mistakes, like stuff that's attributed wrongly. So I remember seeing a bit that was attributed to Prince Harry's The Me You Can't See Apple TV documentary, whereas it actually came from the Dak Shepard podcast he did. Yes. Um, it's, it's just like, that's not even loaded, but it's just stuff that you would kind of expect a fact checker to have gone through and picked up on. Um, so it's definitely got mistakes in it. And yeah, I mean, it's just one of those things, really. When, if, you're, if you're somebody in Bauer's position and you know that it's going to be a big, big debate and there's going to be a big argument about the book, you would think that he would want to make sure all of that stuff was going to be fixed so that it didn't affect the credibility overall of the whole work. So yeah, it is I interesting mean, that they didn't pick up some of that stuff. Yeah, because even just those tiny, minor, you know, facts... Maybe what was said is true, but if it's said in the wrong place, or maybe the dates are wrong, if you're getting these things wrong, what else in your book is not true? So, and some stuff as well. There's, I mean, okay, so we're reading extracts serialized in the Times. So, yes, it may be that it comes out slightly different once the book actually hits shelves, which it will have done by the time you're listening to this. So, the extract serialized in the Times um, attributed certain things to Megan without. Uh, making clear the fact that Bauer had taken them from court papers. So there are certain quotes that are attributed as Megan said, and the quote opens almost as if Bauer's kind of like gone out and found this quote or something. Whereas actually those were part of kind of quite a, quite a lengthy witness statement that Megan submitted to the high court. So um, if it's presented differently in the published manuscript, then fair enough to Bauer. But the way that it read in the Times, it was... Knowing where it came from, it felt slightly disingenuous. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you're somebody who likes this kind of stuff, if if, if you hate Megan, um, you're probably going to love this book. <laughs> if you love Megan, you're probably going to hate this book. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. If you, if you like factual, accurate, and balanced reporting, uh, you'll probably hate this book as well. So um, <laughs> just a heads up what you're in for. Uh, <laughs> but you know what you're getting i mean that is the one thing i'll say for bauer is that you absolutely know what you're getting you buy the book if you hate the person and you know this is what he does he looks for people who are hate figures and then he just piles in on them so you know i guess yeah if you like megan and harry then don't read um there's we've obviously been lots of biographies published recently we've had tina browns which we discussed in the show there's been robert lacy's there's been omid scobies so there's lots of biographies kicking around this is the biography basically for people who, who don't like harry and megan yeah wow you know what i'm keeping my fingers crossed for 
the day when Harry's autobiography comes out. His authorized autobiography, authorized because he wrote it himself. Yes, supposedly coming out later this year. So uh, that's the one I'm really counting down the days for. All right, so we're going to take a quick break. But before we do, a reminder to rate us and review us in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite shows. And when we're back, Prince Harry addresses the United Nations. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Hi, everyone. We're back with a look at Prince Harry's address to the UN. Yes, the Duke of Sussex spoke during a UN session in New York City, marking Nelson Mandela International Day on Monday, July 18th. Megan arrived with him hand in hand to offer her support. And we're going to walk through some of the highlights of his speech and some of the surprises. Let's start at the beginning. He opened with admiration for Nelson Mandela, South Africa's former president, his first black president, in fact, as well as some personal stories. Early on, he spoke of a cherished photograph that Archbishop Desmond Tutu gave to him of Mandela and Diana together. Diana was smiling and Harry said he keeps this photo on his wall and in his heart and the happiness on his mother's face was one of the things that made it so striking to him. Um, He said, for most of my life, Africa has been my lifeline, a place where I found peace and healing time and time again. It's where I felt closest to my mother and sought solace after she died and where I knew I had found a soulmate in my wife. And people who love Megan, they are loving that reference to her as his soulmate. People have glommed onto that and absolutely seen it as proof that he wants to take a firm stand, that he's Team Megan at a time when so many people are attacking her in the press, when this new biography is out. uh, He just wants to take this opportunity to say, yes, just to reaffirm, Megan and I were on the same team. But beyond the personal... Harry also got political, saying, This has been a painful year in a painful decade. We're living through a pandemic that continues to ravage communities in every corner of the globe. Climate change is wreaking havoc on our planet, with the most vulnerable suffering most of all. The few weaponizing lies and disinformation at the expense of the many. And from the horrific war in Ukraine to the rolling back of constitutional rights here in the United States, 
we are witnessing a global assault on democracy and freedom, the cause of Mandela's life. And that obviously is a reference to Roe v. Wade and abortion rights in America, which is something that Megan's spoken about before um, and something that's clearly important to both of them. Uh, now, Harry spoke at length about Mandela's accomplishments. Um, he said, we can grow apathetic, succumb to anger or yield to despair, surrendering to the gravity of what we're up against. Or we can do as Mandela did every single day inside that seven by nine foot prison cell on Robben Island and every day outside of it too. We can find meaning and purpose in the struggle. Uh, we can wear our principles as armor, heed the advice Mandela once gave his son to never give up the battle, even in the darkest hour, and find hope where we have the courage to seek it. So what did you think of this speech, Jack? So he's, um, there's several big lines in it for me. I mean, so first of all, he's obviously done the emotional stuff, which is uh, always nice to see him speaking about Diana and um, talking about Megan as well. And so that trip to Africa that Harry mentioned, that was back in 2017. He took Megan to Botswana. They camped out under the stars. They were out in the kind of uh, the bush felt as, uh, as it's called in uh, some parts of southern africa um and you know reportedly you know they got to see some wildlife while they were out there it sounds like an incredibly beautiful and moving experience um and it came just a few months before their engagement um and it's reportedly it's the time when they really and harry seems to have basically confirmed that it's the time when they realized that you know that this was going to be forever and that they were going to be getting married. Whether they got actually engaged in that moment or not, this was kind of where it became it became solidified as a forever thing. Yeah. Now, I, I love all that personal stuff too, but I got to say the political stuff stood out to me even more. I mean, we all know that royals are not supposed to wade into politics, even though just last week on the show we were talking about how William has been doing that lately. Um but, um, yeah, Harry is doing it and not subtly at all. This is very overt what he's talking about. He is criticizing the United States, what the government has been doing, pulling back rights on the people. Um, that is not subtle at all. That is outright criticism of the U.S. government. Exactly. Now, so he, I don't think, would ever have done this had he been a working member of the royal family. However, he is out now, and he's fully out now. And so really, he, the royal convention of not engaging in politics doesn't really apply to Meghan and Harry anymore. They have every right to go and say whatever they like about um, political issues. And here, he has taken on the a ruling by the US Supreme Court. So this is kind of as controversial as it gets. And he's done it at the United Nations. So at a kind of seat of power within American society against, you know, in the, in front of a, a big and powerful audience. Um, and he did, he caught some criticism from the American right. Meghan McCain um, accused him of, uh, you know, kind of, and painted him as the British prince coming in and telling Americans how to interpret the U.S. Constitution, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, so, what do you think about that, Kristen? I mean, is, should Harry be worried about that, or are they at the point where they don't care now? Well, first of all, Meghan McCain is a complete troll whose entire career is built on the fact that my dad, my dad was a politician. My dad ran for president once. My dad, my dad, my dad. If not for Meghan McCain's dad, nobody would know who Meghan McCain is. She is not qualified in any way whatsoever herself to uh, be a political pundit other than my dad, my dad, my dad. So I wouldn't take anything she says too seriously. Most of her job 
is trying to get people upset. Not that different from Bauer, the biographer. You know, that that's what she does. So I wouldn't take her that seriously. Um, and as far as, you know, it, is this wrong for him to criticize what is happening in the U.S. right now? I don't think so. He has lived here now for the last couple of years. His wife and his children are citizens of this country. What happens with our government directly affects him, his wife, and his children. So as somebody who lives here, I think it's well within his rights to be concerned about what is going on with legislation in the U.S. Uh, my husband is somebody else who you know, came here as an adult and was not from the U.S. He's from New Zealand. And before he was a full citizen, he absolutely still felt affected by what was happening in the U.S. government. It still affected his rights. It still affected those he loved. So I think it's totally fair for him to criticize and to have concerns about what's going on here. And uh, let's be real. What's going on is not just about uh, Roe v. Wade and about abortion rights. It's also about the Supreme Court deciding in the same week that the Environmental Protection Agency does not have the right to really do its job. So pulling back the power of the EPA and that same week making the decision that uh, police are not required to read Miranda rights to people uh, that they're arresting and that same week not giving um, the rights to states to actually have stricter gun laws if they want them. The Supreme Court said no, you can't have better protections against gun violence because we as the federal government are not allowing you as states to make that decision anymore. So it's a lot of different things going on that um, I think Harry could be referring to. Roe v. Wade is probably the most obvious and the most uh, globally front and center, but there's a lot of stuff happening in America right now where people feel their rights are being completely trampled. And obviously, Megan's discussed Roe v. Wade before, hasn't she? And she's made yes. clear that both of them, as she said, I think that Harry had a guttural reaction to that ruling. Um, so we did, we already knew that he was opposed to it. And it feels like it's probably going to come up with them again. I mean, I can't see this being the last intervention they make on, on the, U.S. Constitution, on the Supreme Court, and on Roe. Um, they clearly care very much about it, and I wonder where they might take it next. You know, we had, when Megan was interviewed um, alongside Gloria Steinem, um, this question came up of whether they might make a trip together to Washington, D.C., and who knows? I mean, Megan and Harry have got some big projects that are about to land. Perhaps they'll have a little bit of time once those have been, once those have come out to actually go and start doing a little bit more campaigning and a little bit more kind of face-to-face, in-person lobbying for some of these causes that they believe in. Yeah, and, you know, there's always the critics out there who say, how is... Uh, Hollywood star and a prince, how are they qualified at all to speak to politics? Uh, shouldn't they just stay in their lane? And to that I say, there was a reality star who was the president of the United States not that long ago. And the governor of California was an action star, Arnold Schwarzenegger. And so I, I would just say, oh, and another president, by the way, Ronald Reagan was a movie star. So uh, the idea that People like Meghan and Harry who have actually done work with the United Nations, who've actually done diplomacy work, who've actually been front and center when it comes to efforts of goodwill around the world, uh, if they want to 
talk openly about these things, if they want to be involved in politics, they're way more qualified than a lot of other people who've held office in the U.S. So, yeah, go for it. Use your platform, Megan and Harry. That's my take. Now, one other thing that came up was the very familiar criticism that they are climate hypocrites because Harry said our world is on fire again during his speech. And um, so it was suggested, you know, why do you fly by private jet all the time, et cetera, et cetera. So interestingly, uh, it was we understand that they actually threw charter this time. And this was something that was being discussed on the Today Show. And they, they were talking about the fact that, um, you know, Meghan and Harry uh, had been seen on a, on a commercial airliner and somebody had even, you know, looked over their shoulders and seen what in-flight movies they were watching. I think, you know, Meghan was watching a documentary about Serena Williams or something like that. So they flew commercial and they got the criticism anyway. So how do you like that? Uh, well, they're always going to be criticized, but uh, I think... You know, they, they always take a licking and keep on ticking, Megan and Harry. I, this is not the last we'll see of them giving speeches. <laughs> well, we're going to take a short break now. But before we do, just a reminder to follow us on Twitter. I'm at Jack underscore Royston and Kristen is at Kristen Meinzer. Um, we always have royal updates there, as well as my latest stories for Newsweek. Uh, when we're back, Jason Knauf takes on a new role with the Cambridges. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. This episode is brought to you by Philo. Do you love TV? Do you love saving money? Then Philo is your solution. Philo has shows, movies, and live TV for just $25 a month. You can even try it for free with their seven-day free trial. No contracts, no commitments, no hassles, just a better way to watch TV. Never miss a minute of shows like the hit docuseries Where is Wendy Williams or classics such as Friends. If you can't get enough TV, then there's no better way to watch. Philo has more than 70 channels like BET, MTV, and AMC. And the best part? You can try it yourself with their seven-day free trial. Sign up today at philo.tv slash poppods. That's P-H-I-L-O dot TV slash P-O-P-P-O-D-S to get 50% off your first month. Hello, everybody. We are back with one last very quick hit about the palace's most controversial public relations professional. That's right. Jason Knauf, former Kensington Palace Communications Secretary, a central figure in the bullying allegations against Meghan Markle. He was made a trustee of Prince William's Earthshot Prize. So we had been told some time ago that he had left Prince William's employ. So first of all, he resigned as Kensington Palace Communications Secretary, but he stayed on at Prince William's charity, the Royal Foundation. Then we had been told that he resigned from there too. And we thought that he wasn't working for William at all anymore. Turns out that actually he is. Yes, he is. And uh, the idea that Knopf has been uh, on Team Cambridge this entire time uh, is now just being reinforced by this. And anybody who feels, oh, he was really unfair to the Sussexes, he threw them under the bus, he was an undercover agent for the Cambridges, this does not help those people's suspicions. It just kind of reinforces everyone's suspicions that 
maybe anything he said about the Sussexes, anything negative he said about them, maybe it's not to be trusted because he's chosen his side. So just to give the background of what actually happened with Jason and Meghan is um, he was the long-standing communication secretary at Kensington Palace before Meghan arrived. And then the first role he played back in 2016 was he issued this statement on Harry's behalf denouncing the media in the week after the relationship first became public. However, the bit that was probably more um, interesting now came some years later. In October 2018, he sent an email to Prince William's private secretary, Simon Case, in which he accused Meghan of bullying two PAs out of the royal household. And he suggested that he expressed concerns about a third and said that Meghan was always intent on having somebody in her sights. Yeah. Nobody knows what that means because, as we've mentioned many times on the show, those bullying allegations have been completely buried. Who knows what's happening? They, they were supposedly investigated, but then the investigation's never being released. And your theory, Jack, is because if it was released, there would be so much dirty laundry, not just about Megan, but about the entire institution. Um, so yeah, ev- everything around all of this is just a hot mess. Nothing really seems reliable here. Least of us, Jason Kanoff. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing seems reliable here or resolved. I mean, you know, yeah. it's, uh, so everything, it feels like the, everything blew up. Um, the burning allegations email became public in March 2021, right before Oprah. Everything blew up hugely and hotly debated. Then everything went quiet for a very long time. And then, yeah, we just had this announcement in June that there will be nothing published from a review that Buckingham Palace had launched. Um, and so then now a month later, obviously, Jason's back in the fold. So oh. it's it's very interesting, and I do wonder, not obviously wanting to uh, fuel anybody's private conspiracy theories, but it's very difficult not to wonder whether the uh, there has been some kind of internal negotiation um, over over the whole saga that has put William in a position where he felt that he could bring Jason back. I won't pretend that's anything other than speculation, but it is it's the question that I'm asking myself. Yeah. And here's what I have to say to that, Jack. Go ahead. Feed people's conspiracy theories because it looks very suspicious. It looks suspicious to me. I'm sure it looks suspicious to anybody who's been following the whole Jason Knopf saga over the past several years. It just looks fishy. It's fishy, fishy, fishy with a capital F. (laughs) (laughs) And that is it for this episode of The Royal Report. Be sure to join us every other week when we visit the latest royal headlines, embark on some royal deep dives, and riff on all things royal. Until next time, I'm Kristen Meinzer. And I'm Jack Royston. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. And a curtsy to you all. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. 
Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.